Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Southfield. It's a beautiful day outside, isn't it? It's nice to know that winter is not eternal. Yay. Um, Would you please stand? We're going to sing this morning and just declare how good, how amazing, and how great our God is. Because you are good and I'll shout because 
good and you are so great god we thank you father for your amazing love god that overwhelms us each and every day or each and every time we think about the love that you have for us god we give you glory this morning because you deserve it god only you are worthy of our praise lord we adore you in your name we pray amen please be seated Hey, as you walked in, you received a folder on the inside's a card. I know the lights are off right now, and you're thinking, how can I fill out the card? I can't see. We want them off for a minute. Shelly's going to be talking, and she doesn't like to know people are in the room. Well, it makes, makes her feel safe, so okay? So we're going to be dark. In the meantime, though, if you can see, whoa, on that card, you notice on the back side there's a little box, and there are a couple of things we're asking you to think about. One is, um, if you'd like to be involved in helping to provide meals for people who are sick, time of need, um, and that's something you'd like to do from time to time, you can check off the one that says, meal train invites. Rather than just blasting those out to everyone in the church, we like to limit that to the people who basically say, this is a way that I like to serve. So if that's something that you'd like to do, put that, you'll need to make sure your email is on the other side. And then also, uh, spring cleaning projects. A couple of things we can get involved in here pretty soon. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed, as you're driving either way toward church on Route 6, it says we've adopted a highway, and we like to keep our kid clean. So we're going to get out there and pick up some of the garbage that has been left throughout the winter and uh, make sure that gets done. Both those things will be happening, or that'll be happening toward the end of March. And the other is we're going to get involved in doing that stretch of the I&M Canal again, too. So if either of those interest you, you can check those off today. And then if you're new with us, uh, put as much information as you want on the card, and you can go ahead and hand that card to us as you're leaving today, and we have a gift for you. So I've asked Shelly to come on up here today. Shelly, uh, you remember last week we had that whole time change thing that kind of threw us off by an hour. Shelly decided to take an extra challenge and, um, and lose two hours. She went on a, on a missions trip last week and headed out to New York with a group um, called Share Truth, correct? Spread, Spread Truth. Spread Truth. And part of the reason we wanted her to go do this is um, it, basically to give us an idea of what the organization is like, and maybe it's something that, that some of us will take on along the way as well. Uh, some, some of us will get involved in. So send her out there as kind of our guinea pig. And uh, I, I love the fact that she got to go because, you know, part of where she is personally is she's trying to press in more to um, sharing her faith with other people, being willing to be bold about that. And so here you are, you're just kind of, you're thrown in the middle of the park in New York City, and you're going to go ahead and share the gospel with other people. So it, it really helped to grow her in ways that, 
that I know were really, really encouraging to her. So give us an idea of some of the places you, you went to New York. What's this place? I've seen it in the movie. <laughs> this is uh, Washington Square Park. Okay. And then we also went to uh, Times Square and um, the Brooklyn Promenade. Got to walk across the Brooklyn Bridge. Um, we took a tour, got to see the 9-11 Memorial, things like that. Um, and, you know, T-Swift's new apartment. Um, just all the cool things. Anne Hathaway's house, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so. You said the average apartment is like 4000 bucks a month or yeah, something? Yeah, and that's with the stairs on the outside. So if you're on the top floor, <laughs> you have to nice. walk all... No, no. So this, the trip started last Sunday, but the training started months before, right? And, and they took you through a number of tools and whatever to train you how to share your story with other people, how to get them to share their story. Why don't you go ahead and tell us some about the, about the tools that were involved? Mm-hmm. Um, all of the tools are really cool. They're all really related. They have like four main concepts. Um, the first one I'll talk about is that worldview questionnaire and, um, it has just like four questions that go along with it. Just how did the world begin? What went wrong? Is there any hope? And what does the future hold? Um, and basically if you know the gospel at all. Like, that's basically the story of the gospel. Um, so we're able to hear other people's opinions and then kind of be like, hey, uh, do you mind if I share a story with you that kind of answers all of those questions? And, that, um, and that's that. No, actually, that has a summary on the inside, okay. a really quick version. But then the longer the version is, okay. yeah, the story booklet um, that just, like, spells out the gospel with some verses and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the other tool that we use is a little more comfortable. It's not so much like, here, I have a clipboard, and I'm about to shove the gospel down your throat. Do you mind answering a couple of my questions first? Um, <laughs> it's more like, hey, can I get to know you and show you that your story matters? You know, your story matters, T-shirt. Um, put it on a T-shirt. It's official, right? Um, but this one, we, um, we're collecting, we did this thing called the Thousand Story Project. So we're trying to collect a thousand people's stories, and we're going to have a website um, later on. And basically, it has uh, four concepts, beginnings, obstacles, hope, and future. Um, and you can pick one of those things and write a story about your life that's shaped your life, um, whether it be beginnings, obstacles, hope, and future. Um, and it's really easy to transition into the gospel from there, just kind of saying, like, you know, your story matters. And, hey, there's this really cool story that we think, like, makes all of our stories make sense. Do you then um, share one of these with them from you? like? Um, de- depending on the conversation, okay. if they look like I want to go, or yeah. if it's more like, Hey, we're going to sit here for an hour or two and just talk. So, so. On, a, on an average day, how many of these did you do? Um, the first few days I did more of the questionnaires. Okay. Um, and then on the day that we went out and we met, um, do you want to switch the slide? No, no uh, just um, kidding. I'm, I, I want to know like. Okay, so this one. How many of these did you do in a day? Now you know what dinner's like at our house. Um, Eat your vegetables. How many of these did you do in a day? Um, well, it depends because, like, some days we went out for an hour. Some days Give we went out for, like, four. <laughs> it's probably, like, three on the hour days, which okay. I guess multiply that by four, twelve. Okay, so, <laughs> so how many people said no? Actually, I didn't have very many experiences where people said no. Okay. Um, some people, you know, like even if they didn't believe, they would just be like, yeah, evolution, big bang. And they would like go through and we'd just mm-hmm. be like, well, thank you for your opinion. Um, but a lot of people like they just 
they went for it and they just they wanted someone to talk to you could tell mm. that there are people that just want to share their story and just want to talk because people like to talk okay about so part of what you were doing too is identifying people person walks by with their headphones in looking straight ahead you're probably not hey 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 how's it going yeah, yeah. right yeah okay so you're you're going after some people that probably look a little bit more receptive which one of them was this girl, right? Yeah, she was absolutely adorable. She had those little yellow glasses and like a maroon skirt and blue shoes. And I was like, we are talking to her because she's so <laughs> stinking cute. I need to tell her her outfit's cute. Um, <laughs> and so with her, we actually did a story. We sat down. We asked for a story. She wrote it out. She took a long time. She wrote a couple pages, actually. Yeah. Um, and then afterward, um, she just got to share a story. And then we just got to, like, bond and kind of, like, form a relationship. Now we're friends on Facebook, Woo-hoo. which didn't happen with everybody. But, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And it was just cool to just, like, kind of explain the, the bracelet to her and, like, explain the little story booklet and things. Um, and she was really receptive. You want to talk about the bracelet now? Because that's another one of your tools. So. Um, I can talk about it at the prayer stations. Okay. This All was right. more in the parks. So we used more of the stories and the questionnaires in the parks because people are sitting there doing nothing. Even though it's freezing outside, I don't know why they were out. Yeah. But. So that, that leads us to the prayer stations because mm-hmm. that was one of the questions I, you know, you would describe in your training that you were going to do prayer stations. And, you know, in my mind, I'm kind of imagining going over here to the park in Shanahan and, you know, setting up a little booth and saying, you know, prayers five cents or something. I don't know. And just kind of wondering how that would go over, how that would work. So I'm curious, how did that work? Um, we were in Brooklyn when we did our prayer stations. We did it for two days and both were like four hour long days. Um, and it was basically like six corners in Juliet. We just mm-hmm. set up. We had two little prayer stations, two booths, and then people in those uh, lovely smocks with the prayer hands that say prayer changes things, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's what it says. Prayer mm-hmm. changes things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we just kind of like tried to stop anyone on the street and just asking them like, hey, can I pray for you? Is there something, you know? Um, and like you said, there were those people that put in their headphones, pick spot ahead and run. Um, but then there were other people, Christian or not, that would like either come up to us or they would stop and be like, actually, yeah, I would like a prayer. I'm on the way to the doctor right now. Wow. Um the other thing that we used, this girl, Natalie, my friend, she's a beast. Um, <laughs> she, anytime she saw a child, she was like, just gravitated right toward them. It was crazy. Um, and she explained these bracelets to the kids. Um, you've probably seen them before, maybe day camp back in the day. We had like ones that worked in the sun, I think. Um, but basically, it just spells out cre- the gospel really easily, um, even for kids to understand. The first one, the green bead, is uh, for creation. And when you're talking to a kid, you're like, oh, yeah, God created the world. And it was perfect. And there were all the animals and the trees and things like that. And then um, even though it was perfect, sad things happen, bad things. Um, and that's where the blue bead comes in. You know, you're blue. You're sad. And again, if you're talking to a kid, you're just kind of like, you know, if you get a boo-boo or your brother or sister's mean to you, which Brian was mean to me all the time. So I've had a lot of experience with that. Um, yeah, I'm not over it. Um, but then God, God promised um, to make it all better and take away all that sadness. And that's the red bead. That's Jesus' blood that was shed for us. Um, and then he also promised to just restore heaven back to that green creation bead. Um, and so that's what the gold bead is, is heaven. Um, and when you're talking to a kid, you kind of have to stress, like, you know, you can't get from that blue bead, the sin, to the mm. perfect world heaven, that gold bead, without that red bead, Jesus, mm. in between. Mm. Um, there's also a last bead, which it's clear. People used it in different ways. Typically, I used it to say, like, 
do you, is this clear to you? You know, does it make sense? Or um, would you like to make a clear decision today to follow Christ? Um, So it was a really cool tool to use with kids. It's an awesome reminder to have on my wrist. Um, And I even, I challenged myself hard on the second day and even tried to explain it to someone in Spanish. Got the colors right. Don't know about the rest of it, but, you know, God spoke, so it's all good. Wow, (laughs) cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, so you went, I mean, they take different groups, um, you know, they take old people like me and whatever, Mm -hmm. but um, you went with a group of college kids from, what, Campus Church involved with ECU down at ISU, Mm -hmm. and so you got this gang of kids just hitting the street. Um, I, I said in the beginning, I mean, I know for you, over the past couple of years, you've been anxious to have opportunities where you have the chance to kind of be pushed out of comfort, share your faith, go for it. And so, you know, you did Berlin last year. You did this this year. Um, kind of give me an idea of, in your mind, what what was the purpose of the trip for you? What's the purpose of the trip overall? How does it work? Um, obviously, part of the purpose is to just to reach the people of New York. We're not stupid. We don't think that we're, like, going like, to reach everybody in one day or in one week. Um, but it was nice to just, like, encourage the people that are Christians um, or just, you know, pour into the people that have never been prayed over before or um, sit down with a homeless person and just talk to them, somebody that hasn't even heard their name spoken um, in years. And so it was just cool to invest in those people. And that's part of the purpose. Um, the old man on the right, Jerry there, um, <laughs> he said that the reason that he's been coming back and doing this for 20 years, um, and he just keeps bringing back or groups back in the spring and in the summer, um, is because not just because of what we're doing in New York and how we're affecting the people there, but the people that we bring on the trip and how Mm -hmm. they're changed. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things that changed in me is I really hate praying out loud. I'm like so completely uncomfortable with it. Um, I'm just completely uncomfortable talking to a person in general. Um, This is easy. I can talk to all of you at once, but one-on-one. So (laughs) like prayer, prayer is just really difficult for me out loud. Um, I stumble a lot, things like that. Um, but there was this one prayer that I was praying with a lady and she, she wanted her daughter back and I was just praying over her and she started crying Uh and I was just like, ah, it doesn't even matter what I'm saying right now. Like, it doesn't matter that I'm stumbling over my words. If I am like God speaking through me to her Mm. and because of that, she's crying, you know, Mm. like it was just really cool. So Mm. got over that fear real quick, you know, being on the corner and just going up to strangers to ask Mm. them to pray. Mm. Um, yeah. And then. Another thing, <laughs> trying to make this short so dad can actually preach today. <laughs> um, I just bringing up Jesus in conversation, you know, just boasting about him, just like he's just a random guy that you know, and you just got to talk about him all the time. Um, God's really funny. And on the way there, we we had a full flight, but our whole group was kind of, we got on in the middle. Um, so we were able to all sit next to each other. On the way back, he was like, hey, guess what? I'm going to test your faith. I'm going to test what you learned. And I'm going to put you on a full flight. And I'm going to put you at the very end. So in other words, all of the uh, aisle and window seats will be filled. And all of you have to sit right in the middle of two strangers <laughs> and talk to them about me. So <laughs> it was great. I got to... Um, sit next to this man who was Coptic, an Egyptian Christian, if you heard about um, the people that were killed by ISIS, the 21 people on the beach. That's his um, faith. And um, 
got to talking to him and he was just saying how like um he everyone in his faith has a sad story and i just kind of asked like so what's your sad story if you don't mind me asking um and he said that he had an aunt whose husband died so his uncle died um and when that happens um the people try to come and convert them and they they target the widows and the orphans exactly opposite of what we're told to do they go after them because they see now you don't have that man over the household that's gonna defend you um so they went after her and just said like convert don't be christian anymore or die we'll kill you um she said no and then they're like okay we're gonna start killing off your kids until you say yes so they killed the youngest first she said no i won't convert they killed the middle one and i'm gonna try not to cry because <laughs> i don't even know this person but um they killed the middle one and she said no killed the oldest one she said no and then they killed her um and I was just like so taken back in that moment. I, d I didn't even know what to say. Um, I pulled out one of the tools and said like, hey, would you mind just writing that story down? Like, I think it's something that needs to be heard. And he was like, no, it's too sad. I don't want to write it down. You can, you're welcome to share it. You're welcome to put it on your website, but I don't want to put it down because it's just too sad. Um, and I told him like, yeah, it's sad, but it's so encouraging that there are people that like, you know, um, oh, why? I, why can't I think of his name? Guy, rooster, crowing, Jesus, denial. What's his name? Peter. Peter. Um, you know, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> like, Peter was with Jesus all the time, and he denied him. And these people, like, they've never seen Jesus' face, but they just, you know, they will defend him till the end. Um, sorry. <laughs> I really need to go just to that like Bible seminary. episode class. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, wow. <laughs> but yeah, so um, it was really encouraging to hear like these people are dying for their faith. Um, and so I guess to answer your question in a very long-winded way, um, why go? Like, what's the purpose? What do you get out of it? Um, like, kind of a little about me. I hate the news so much. I am just bored by it. I'm completely ignorant on what's going on in the world. I'm totally not grown up yet. Um, and I also like, I'm so introverted. Like I can, like I said, I can talk to all of you right now, but if you come near me, I just want to sit in my bubble and leave me alone. Um, so if God had put me next to a stranger on the way there, I would have just put in the headphones and pretend to be asleep, you know? Um, but on the way back, he just like gave me this huge heart for people and just wanting to like know their stories and invest some time in them, just listening to them, being that listening ear. Um, and he grew my heart for the people in New York, the people that went on the trip with me, and the people around the world, like talking to this uh, man that was an Egyptian Christian. Um, and just kind of going back to him, like, I think it's crazy that people are dying for their faith. And like now, you know, not like millions of years ago, like now they're dying for their faith and we won't even bring him up in conversation. We won't even talk about Jesus. It's too scary. Um, but I just, I kind of encourage you to just be a little fearless this week. I plan on, um, obviously, all of my students, my tutoring students last week didn't get to meet with me. Um, 
And so I plan on giving them all one of these little bracelets and maybe just quickly walking them through it before we do some math. Um, and I even have a girl that's a Jehovah's Witness, and we we have a really good relationship. Like we one on one, you know, you're meeting with a person, and she's just she's really fun. We goof around while we're doing math, um, and I'm risking that relationship by introducing God to her. But I really don't care. Like the only relationship that matters is the one that she has with God. So why should I not put myself out there and just at least let her hear the true word? So, I, I, love what, I love what the organization does. I love the plan they have for you. And I also love the fact that, um, that when God wants to form you, he'll use a tool somebody else has, but, but he certainly inserts his own experiences in order to make it a, a, a fuller, more meaningful uh, learning experience. And to have that conversation at the end, you know, flying back, it would have been easy, first of all, to kind of say, New York's done, now I can go back to what I normally do. And, and that's part of these experiences, right? We go away so that we'll come back and actually apply what we've learned in another place. But to hear um, faith expressed in such ultimate terms, life or death, and, and, and we sit there wondering, ah, am I willing to even talk? It really... I'm just I'm thrilled with the way God brought all those pieces together to really form I think a beautiful week for you, but something beautiful in you as well. So uh, let me pray with you, God. <clears throat> thanks for giving Shelley the the urge, the desire, the burden, the guts to take this trip to do a thing that was very uncomfortable for her. I'm just glad she did it, and. Um, she, as well as her friends, got to plant a lot of seeds this week, seeds that your spirit gets to water and you get to grow. And we're realistic about that, God, that we're not so much the ones that change the world. You change the world and you use us in the process, and that's just amazing. And so we pray for those seeds that are planted, planted in, in the friend that she talked to on the street and, and others along the way. Uh, God, I pray for this man today who who thinks about his own sad story and that um, he will be able to embrace uh, fully that the, the joy side of Christianity, the side that says even when we suffer, we do it. We do it with complete joy, knowing that the trying of our faith develops perseverance. And Lord, that that's easy to say when we're talking about a little bump or bruise that happens in our life. But when we've lost family members for the faith, can we can we still say, Jesus is worth it. Jesus is worth it. And so um, I just pray that all these experiences put together will form something beautiful in Shelley, what you decided you wanted to form in her already and in her friends as well, and help us to know then how to translate this into an experience uh, for our own church too. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks. Here, give me a hug, and I'll get to work. <laughs> So I was already in a spot this morning in that um, I had like 45 minutes worth of sermon and 30 minutes to do it. So I thought if I talked fast, I could get through it. And now I'm really more like 12 to 15 minutes. So really, here we go. Um, last week, we're talking about the Garden of Eden. We're talking about the beginning of creation. We're talking about Genesis 1 through 3 and how beautiful everything was in the beginning. And um, at the end of chapter 2 of Genesis... It's all pulled together with these beautiful words. The man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. 
You have this moment that, I mean, you have two people standing there and they're completely exposed to each other and there's nothing in them that says, I need to cover, I need to hide. And this isn't just about the physical experience. It's about their hearts. It's about that in their heart, they were able to say, there's nothing in me that I feel the need to hide from you. You can see me for exactly who I am. And that, of course, translated to their relationship with God as well, that they were able to stand before God and just say, this is who I am, and they felt absolutely no shame. But we know it's only a chapter later, just one chapter, uh, Genesis 3, that this offer is made to Eve to go ahead and eat the fruit, and she eats it, and she passes it on to, to Adam, and he eats it. And, and the verse right after that action Verse 7 says, at that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. In that moment, when, when they decided to disobey, they finally had something to hide. They finally had something to say, I don't want you to see this in me. And the same, they said it to God. God, there's something that I don't want you to see anymore. I've got to hide it from you. And now we've just, we've carried on that family tradition that family pattern of hiding, hiding from each other, hiding from God, knowing there are things that we would not want anyone else to know, knowing there are things that we don't want God to know. And so as we've been working our way through this, uh, the end of the Lenten season, we've just talked about this concept of being honest with God, to stand before God and say, this is who I am. The good stuff, the bad stuff, I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to make this lame attempt of sewing together some fig leaves and pretending that I'm not naked. I'm just going to stand before you, God, and let you see me for absolutely who I am. And last week we talked about exposing our doubts, that there are some things that we wonder about God. There are some things that we wonder about existence. And maybe you grew up in in a Christian background that basically said, never express doubts about God. Never express doubts to God. Never express doubts about the Bible or anything else. And so you just decided to hide and stuff them. But I think we see very clearly that God wants us to be honest with our doubts. He wants us to come before him, to wrestle with him about our doubts, to name our doubts in his presence. And if we do, it's not going to shock him. It's not going to offend him. It's not going to disappoint him. He's okay with that. He knows what we look like under the fig leaves. He knows what we look like when we're hiding in the bushes. He knows who we really are. So why not just say, God, these are the questions I have. Let's work through them together. And you know, we're not always going to get the answer to the questions. But what we will get in time if we're working through this with God is an ability to trust him to say, I don't know the answer, but I know you do. I don't know the answer, but I know you are trustworthy. So we talked about hiding our doubts from God. Today we're going to talk about something else, and we'll, and we'll take it into next week, and that is hiding our desires from God. There are things we want, and we say, I don't know if it's okay to let God know that. Sometimes we don't know if it's okay to let him know it, because we know the thing we want is something God doesn't want us to have. And there are other times there are things we want, and we're just like, I'm not really sure if it's okay to express it to God. So I've got an image for you I want you to look at real quick. I'm going to take about... 20 seconds with the person next to you to go ahead and caption this woman looking in the fridge. You've done this before. You're staring in the fridge. You're trying to figure out what's going on in there. Go ahead and talk with a couple people around you. What do you think's running through her head right now? Go ahead, do it.
All right. Come back to me. So uh, go ahead and give a few. What, what, go ahead. What, what did you, what's your caption? Where's the ice cream? Okay. What was the nothing what? There's nothing to eat. And, and look at that fridge, right? There's nothing to eat. What else did you have? I'm so bored. Isn't that interesting? The first service, someone said that too. I'm so bored. I don't, yeah, that's interesting. What was I, yeah. so, so every trip to the fridge is a guilt trip. What, got one more? Shut the door. <laughs> you're wasting electricity. You're, you're air conditioning the universe. Boy, let's jump back to childhood while we can. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of times we look at that and that there's nothing to eat. I always laugh at that one. I need to go shopping, or maybe you think somebody needs to go shopping. But um, one of the ones that comes up a lot is I have no idea what I want. You just stand there looking at, I have no idea what I want. And and there are all these options in front of you, and you're kind of like, I don't know what I want. And so when we talk about desires, the funny thing is, a lot of times people have that same reaction. It's like they're looking in the fridge of life. They're looking at all the options, and they say, I have no idea what I want. I just don't know. But the fact is, you do have desires. You may not recognize them yet, but you do have desires. And my question for you is, are you honest to God about your desires? Are you able to stand there with God and say, God, this is what I really long for deep in my heart? Now, we're going to do something that you probably shouldn't do, but it's kind of fun anyway. Um, Some of you don't know that when a meal is made, there's actually work that goes into a meal being made. It just appears on your table, and you're like, oh, isn't that cool? There's actually kind of a messy part where stuff gets cut and fried, and you know all that junk's going on. It doesn't just poof, there it is. The same is true of sermons. Sermons just don't poof, there it is. You kind of you go into the butcher shop, and you start cutting things up and figuring them out. So, so one of the things I did for this particular lesson is I went to a site called BibleGateway.com. I'd encourage you to go there. Great site, BibleGateway.com. Here's what you can do. You can type in a verse, it'll bring up the verse. It'll bring up the verse in a whole bunch of different translations. But you can also type in a word. So we're talking about desires. Here's what I did. I typed in the word desire to see what would come up. Using the New Living Translation, the word desire comes up 106 times. 106 different times. In fact, looking a little deeper, you find there are actually 27 different words used for desire in the Old Testament. And there are a whole bunch used in the New Testament. So we have all these different words that are being used. And and what I'll do then, just to try to understand what we're talking about, is to start going through some of those verses and try to get an initial sense of what does the Bible say about this topic. So we're going to prepare this meal together. You're standing at the table with me, and we got the verses laying all over the table. We're going to start to cut them up and try to understand them. So look at this handful of verses, actually a couple fistful of verses that talk about our desires. The first one is found in Genesis 3. We're just there. Genesis 3, 16 says, Then God said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, and in pain you will give birth, and you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. So here's God. He's talking about the implications of the curse for Eve and for Adam, for this family. And here's what he basically says. Congratulations so much for unity. Uh, From here forward, you will find yourself in a power struggle. 
You, you thought this would just happen? No. This is part of, the, part of the fall is the power struggle that goes on in a family between a man and a woman fighting over who's going to control. He says, you're actually going to have a desire to control another person. There it is. So you're looking at this verse. Does that kind of desire, is that a good desire or a bad desire in your mind? Yeah, probably bad, right? Let's go on to another one. Let's look at Deuteronomy. This is the second expression of the Ten Commandments. So you have it in Exodus 20, and then later in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 5, uh, Moses reiterates them once again. So this commandment says, you shall, you, and you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, you shall not desire your neighbor's house, or his four-wheeler, his fields, or his other vehicles, his male servants, or his boat, his female servants, or his garage, his ox, his donkey, anything that is your neighbor's. Look at those two words used together. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, and you shall not desire your neighbor's house. Covet and desire are used synonymously here. Same word going on here. You look at this. Is this a good one? Good use of desire or a bad use of desire? Bad. Yeah, you're not supposed to do this. So already just two verses in, you may be starting to look and go, hmm, desires, not a good thing. I should, probably, I should probably squash my desires. I should probably make sure that I don't express my desires. Job 17, Job is really going through a treacherous time, and he says, my days are over, my hopes have disappeared, my heart's desires are broken. I, what, what is he saying? He's saying what a lot of us say. Why hope? You won't get it anyway. Why desire? You're probably just going to get rid. You're not going to get what you want. Solomon says it another way in Proverbs 13, 12. He says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. The longer you have to wait for that desire to happen, it just makes your heart sick. But a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. He says, man, when a desire finally happens, it is so amazing. So even in this one, we look and we say, hmm, if I desire, there's a chance I might not get it. So I'm better off just not wanting anything. Again, kind of a bad expression on desires. Psalm 73. This one's interesting. The psalmist writes, Who have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. Now this seems to be a pretty positive use of desire, right? He's saying there's one thing you should want. You should want God. In fact, he's kind of expressing a priority. You should want God more than anything else. So, okay, we kind of see a positive twist in this particular one. But then we go right back to the negative. Psalm 106 He's talking about the children of Israel in the wilderness. He says, in the wilderness, their desires ran wild. You can tell just by the way it's written that this is, an impl- this is not an implication of a good thing. Their desires ran wild, testing God's patience in that dry wasteland. So again, you're looking at this one and you might be thinking, wow, I need to make sure to curb my desires. Keep them in check. Don't let them run wild. We have Jesus speaking in Matthew 6. He says, wherever your treasure is, the desire of your heart will be also. Now, what I love about this verse is he's saying, for those of you that are saying, I don't know what I want, Jesus says, well, you know how you know what you want? Look at what you got. Look at what you have. Look, look at the things you treasure, because if you look at the things you treasure, you'd find what your desires are all about. You can trace it right back. Uh, you keep going 
Paul talks a lot about desires. And overall, I mean, he, he develops this whole theology of fighting sinful desires. We are supposed to wrestle with and fight against our sinful desires. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. So again, you might read that and go, wow, desires. Desires are just to be avoided. He says we're to clothe ourselves with the presence of the Lord Jesus and don't let yourself think about, think about ways to indulge your evil desires. So there's kind of that running wild again, letting my, my desires just have their way. In Philippians, Paul has this interesting contrast. He's talking about wanting to die and go home with, and go to, go to be in heaven. But he's also saying, if I die, I can't be of use to you. And so he's torn. He says, I'm literally, I don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go be with Jesus, but I know it would be far better for you if I stayed. And what we find here is that desires are not always about good and bad. Sometimes it's good and good. Sometimes it's two really good things that we want. And even that might cause you to say, I'm better off just not wanting. I'm better off just not desiring. I won't have to make a choice if if I do. In Philippians 2, Paul says, God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. I love this verse. What's it saying? God is actually implanting you in you his desires, a desire for him, a desire for the things he wants. So if I'm growing in Christ, and you see what Shelley talked about this morning, God's growing in her a desire to tell other people about her faith. God gives us that desire. And then the cool part is he also gives us the power to fulfill that desire. So this is one time that desires are talked about in a positive way. But then we come over to James. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. Every time I read that that verse, I have this picture of somebody grabbing someone by long hair and just dragging them along, pulling them along. That's what's happening to us. We're, We're being pulled away by our sinful desires. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. He goes on in chapter 4 and says, what's causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? So reading this on the surface again, you may just say desiring is bad. But you you come down to almost the very end of the Bible. Last chapter, just a few verses from the end, and we have these beautiful words from Jesus. The Spirit and the Bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this, come. Let anyone who is thirsty, come. Isn't thirst a desire? Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. So as we're reading through these verses, as we're just trying to get a feel for desires, are they good? Are they bad? How do they work? And we didn't go through all 106 verses. But just looking at this handful, there's some conclusions you might draw about desires. You might, for example, think desires do not seem to be very positive. Maybe it's better if Christians don't desire. You might draw the conclusion that our desires get us in trouble. And if you do, uh, good conclusion, because the Bible says that. Sometimes our desires get us in trouble. You might think to live a godly life, we need to kill our desires. There actually have been movements in Christianity, asceticism, that says never desire, never want, because wanting always leads to sin. And so we just squash any sense. If I had no desires, I wouldn't want to do bad things. But we see that some desires are good and some are bad. So I'm giving you a little homework this week. I want you to take BibleGateway.com and I want you to type in the word desire 
And I want you to start to explore the word and ask that question. What should we do with desires? How, how should, should, can we actually be honest to God about our desires? Are there desires we should embrace? Are there desires we should push away? What should we do with the desires that take place in our life? We're going to celebrate communion, and we're going to do it with a song that's going to be playing on the screen, and the words are going to be on the screen. And I want you to really pay attention to the words. I know sometimes just hearing the song, you may not totally catch it, so seeing it helps as well. Because the artist does a beautiful job talking about his desires, the battle that takes place in the desires in his heart, and I wonder if you don't find yourself in the same place today. So I'm going to pray, and then our servers are going to come and distribute communion, and we'll listen to the message from this artist. Father God in heaven, as we take time this coming week to just look at that word desire and try to understand it, I pray that you'll give us a holistic perspective on desires. Because we, we, we very often have a one-sided perspective. One that says they're evil, they're bad, they're wrong, avoid them at all costs, squash them. But you, Jesus, actually call on people to own their desires. You call on people to embrace their desires. And so I pray as we do our own study, that we will see the ways in which you're calling out desires in us. Desires that are good desires that are going to help us to grow more into the image of Jesus Christ. I thank you for your sacrifice for our sins. And today, as we, as we receive this bread and, and this cup, I pray that our gratitude would pour forth once again for someone who loved us so much to die for us so that we could have eternal life. Your desire for us was life. I pray that we would embrace it fully in Jesus' name. I'm feeling so small Standing here weeping As I'm coming clean Of the secrets I'm keeping Cause I've caused so much pain To the ones I love the most And I'm falling apart as I carry my heart to your throne I am completely surrendering Finally giving you everything You're my redeemer I run to the cross Because you Nothing I own The treasures I held Just weighed down my soul And there's nothing left Inside of me But I'm longing for you 
Before our servers come to receive the morning offering, I want to let you uh, have some time to fill out our welcome card, whether it's your first time or hundredth time. Go ahead and fill that out, and we'll go over that in a minute. But um, again, before they come, I want to make you think about some things. You know, we talk about desires. Uh, maybe it's maybe you're sitting here thinking today you're feeling all guilty because you know you realize your desires are misplaced and it's led you down this weird winding road. Don't feel guilty. God can use those things to grow you. And I just, again, I, I'm glad this is, can you turn off the recording? Because I'm going to be nice to Shelly for a minute. Um, what, what Shelly and her friends did in New York, you know, yeah, it's, it's big. Uh, it's, you know, it's a, it's a trip where, it, you know, it might be easier, you know, doing it in a group and looking and saying, wow, look what we did. But it still took the guts for her to step out of her comfort zone and say, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to someone. My desire is to put my headphones in and not, not talk. But you know what? I need to set, a, set aside my selfish desires to make sure that other people are hearing about God. So we have um, this, a couple of opportunities for you um, coming up here with Easter. And so as, as our servers come to receive the morning offering, I um, want you to, again, take a look at the back. We've got... Um, our next slide uh, is coming because I don't have the remote, um, but it, it's going to tell you about an opportunity to get uh, to become a part of a meal train. Um, so if you if you flip to the back side of your card, um, you can. We'll talk about that again in a second. But with Easter, you've got an awesome opportunity to set aside your selfish desires and get somebody else here. Um, it's going to be an awesome Sunday. It's going to be incredibly moving as we celebrate the the resurrection of Jesus. But that weekend, we've got some other cool things going on. We've got our first Good Friday service in the building. That'll be at 7 o'clock on Friday night. So you're more than welcome to come, invite the family, uh, invite anyone who you may interact with on a daily basis. Because, um, again, it's going to be a great, a great time. If you're still not there yet, if you're still uncomfortable, you know, maybe you're not sure, you can still serve uh, in some pretty awesome ways. Because we don't have the full parking uh, yet, we are asking that uh, anybody who's able and willing to park off-site across the street or uh, somewhere else uh, and, and then walk over so that these spots are open for our guests, that's a huge way you can serve someone. Because, again, showing up to a full parking lot, people may turn and say, well, I don't have a parking spot. I'm not parking across the street and leave. So you can serve people not without saying a word. Another way, um, on Easter Sunday, we will have our big kids open for both services, or our, our Southfield kids uh, will be fulfilled for both services and that one that one sunday only so another way you can serve without speaking if you have kids send them or if you have kids in in that age group send them to uh that to those classrooms so we have not only do we will we have seats open for guests but uh we can also make sure that our volunteers feel like yeah they they did something uh to, to serve the, the kingdom of God. Um, and again, so as we move on here, we've got this, I, the meal train. Um, what this is, is an opportunity for you to get involved. If you enjoy cooking or you, you know, feel moved to, to help other people who are in need, uh, we have this opportunity with you. Um, so you can let us know on the way out or on your car next week uh, if you'd like to be a part of this. Basically, instead of sending mass emails to everybody, we want to make sure that um, 
those of you who can cook and who can do it well um, get, get it, are able to get involved with helping um, helping out in that way. And we also, through this site, we're also able to make sure that whoever we are serving isn't getting lasagna every night of the week. Um, so again, if, if you're moved in that way, uh, you can let us know and we can get you involved with that. Um, also got a couple other things going on. Um, this, this Sunday night, or tonight, we've got... Um, an awesome night with Revive. So if you're in high school, you want to show up tonight. We're going to have some really fun stuff going on. Um, it is Selection Sunday, and the Illini are officially out. So while that makes me sad, we are going to be doing brackets and having some fun with it. Um, so I, I just, I don't have to feel guilty uh, to put the Illini all the way to the final, because uh, they're going to, they'll be lucky to make the NIT. Uh, so again, if you want, if you're interested, you can show up at five, do that with us. Uh, if you're, again, if you're in high school. Uh, but it's going to be, it's going to be a blast. We've got a lot of stuff planned for tonight. So again, high schoolers, if you're out there, make sure that you're stepping outside of your comfort zone too. Invite someone who you haven't or someone who maybe has said no several times. Because again, this, this season, getting as we push closer to Easter is a really easy opportunity to help people learn about God. Um, and yes, we, of course, have our uh, constant contact, so you can sign up for that on the card, or you can email us through the, ch- the church website, southfieldchurch.com, and uh, this basically, all it does is, it lets us let you know what's going on. We send out prayer requests, we send out uh, everything about what's going on, the the HAP, uh, with, with what's going on with the church. So again, if you'd like to get in, uh, signed up for that, you can through the website or through the card, and we'd love to have you. Uh, with that... We are done for the done for the morning. Hope you enjoy your Sunday, enjoy your week. Um, and actually, some good news: we are going to be using the chairs for revive and refuge, so you get a week off of of doing chairs. So that gives you extra time to talk to people. So instead of sprinting out the door, make sure that you catch someone. In my again, have an awesome week. In my doubts, in my failures, you won't walk out. Your great love will lead me through. You are the peace in my troubled sea. Whoa, you are the peace in my troubled sea.